Hi, I'm Michael Williams, Artistic Director of Sydney Writers' Festival. This recording and the festival itself take place on the unceded lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to ancestors and elders, past and present. We hope you enjoy this conversation from our 2021 podcast series. It is March 2021 and white women are furious. Rage-fueled and righteous, white women are fighting hard against their brothers and their bosses against men who ought to know better than to ignore them, talk over them, diminish them. Allegations swirl and Christian Porter calls a press conference and he cries and no one has sympathy for him. The PM tells us that he is sad for Brittany because Jen told him that she could have been their daughter. They scoff at him every night and Laura Tingle's cool rage transmits itself through the television. Love, Laura. In the midst of this fury, I get a text from the Netball Mums chat group. I am indeed a Netball Mum. <laughs> We're going to the rally, it says. Join us tomorrow for hashtag March for Justice. There is a photo attached, a sign that says, the Fempire strikes back. And there are these this beautiful picture of these girls on the team who have these t-shirts on that say, girls just want to have fundamental rights. I send a thumbs up sign and a smiley face, but I know that I am not going. You see, I could never ask the netball team moms to attend a BLM rally with me. And yet black women are also tired. Black women the world over are tired of dying young, Tired of losing their mothers too soon, like I did. High blood pressure is a fancy way of saying stress the fuck out. And black women are dying without medication. And we too want everyone to cry with us, for us, because of what happens to us. Black women are tired of worrying about the safety of our kids. And we are just as tired of bad men, but not so tired that we are prepared to turn them over to cops who might kill them or humiliate them, or on a good day, laugh at them. Black women are tired of working worse jobs than white women for worse pay than anybody else. We too are tired of being undermined and second-guessed. And so I'm not interested in the march, and this is not just because of bitterness or the lack of reciprocal solidarity. It's because it makes no sense to me to search for justice in the Australian parliament, the same parliament where men have been masturbating in women's offices, the same parliament that has refused to take seriously the demand for a constitutionally entrenched black voice. The same parliament that Professor Meg Davis reminds us has, quote, used legislation to control Aboriginal peoples from its earliest founding. That parliament? I am wary of marching for a justice that seeks shelter in the police that resolves conflicts only in boardrooms and gets nervous when voices are raised. Black women, we raise our voices. The anger that I see all around me over the treatment of white women at the hands of white men is justified. Of course, no violation is acceptable. The deaths of children and women in the most brutal ways that we have seen on our TV screens in the last few weeks is heartbreaking. And I am mindful of the silences when Aboriginal people are killed. 
I am aware of the whispers when tall, skinny, black-skinned boys walk in groups. I know what they say about our African children, criminals. And so I have been thinking about how we fight for justice in ways that allow everybody to win. And of course there is light. There is a new crop of these young white voices and they are earnest and they are forthright. And I envy them their optimism and their high expectations. I envy them their innocence, their sense that they are standing on the threshold of something brand new and that everything is possible or soon will be. I envy all the column inches that they have written and the tweets in which they thank people for their support and in which they imagine how life would be different if only men would just be better or if the laws could just be tougher. But I worry that they might be pursuing strategies that will win narrow victories and that these will not translate in the long term into the kind of deep and wide justice that we need in this country for everybody. I worry that the voices of those who have the most to teach us all about justice and humanity, those who are most steeped in fighting for a truer Australia, are routinely dismissed, discounted, ignored. These voices are not exciting or new. They are merely black and disgruntled and impolite. Every day since I arrived here from South Africa, and it has been almost seven years now, indigenous people have been protesting against something, resisting arrest, or filling courthouses, or gathering to strategize, or mourning. There is always a group somewhere holding up a sign, refusing to be respectable, someone black purposely making white people nervous. And yet there is no denying that there is this exciting new energy, a country full of furious white women and angry school kids fighting to stop global heating, a country with fed up Uber workers who are being exploited in old ways using new technologies, a country where the friends and neighbors of asylum seekers are ashamed of the detention camps and the legal blockades that this country sets up aimed at making their lives miserable. This collective fury is so bright, so full of possibility that it does feel like something new is afoot. And so despite my cynicism, I do think that perhaps freedom is within reach because this moment owes its life force to the rage, to the creativity, to the humanity of those indigenous rebels, past and present, who have always provided Australians who care to listen with a roadmap for what it might look like for all of us to be free. Freedom indeed is within reach. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to and rate our channel wherever you listen to your podcasts.